0: You're listening to another great podcast in the Stoplight Network.
1: Welcome to Geekiest Show Ever, Episode 7. You say, wait, what is that? That doesn't sound like Mark. Well, there's a reason for that. My partner in crime is a bit under the weather. It's rumored that the part of the reason he got under the weather is because he did actually don his mankini and go to the beach down there in Australia in the middle of winter. So I think he should refrain from wearing that mankini. But not to worry, he is on the mend, but he has lost his voice. So he left me in the driver's seat, which we'll see if that sinks or makes the show float better. Um, But we don't know. We'll wait and see. You, the listeners, are the one that can tell us that. But I do want to say he hasn't left me completely alone. We are very fortunate this week that one of our good friends of the show and a friend of both Mark's and mine... Mike McPeak has stepped up to the plate to take a swing at this. Uh, you may also know him as DSC Chipman on Twitter. How are you doing this evening, Mike? Oh, not too bad. I'm hoping that people won't be missing uh, Mark's uh,
0: mellifluous uh, Australian accent, uh, and you know, they'll have to put my Midwestern uh, twang or whatever I got. So hopefully people won't be too disappointed
1: i don't think so you've done well before uh (laughs) you and i have done namp with mark and it and it worked out quite well so i think everything will work fine um just so the audience has a good idea can can you give them a little bit about yourself what you do what your likes and dislikes are your your you know our show is all about geekdom so talk about some some of your geekdom and where you stand on those things
0: well um Yeah, I guess I'll start out by saying that I'm broadcasting from my underground bunker I call Nerdvana out here in South Dakota. Um, Actually, it's my son's bedroom. When he moved out, I moved all my computers in here. So currently, I'm surrounded by... um, my MacBook uh, Pro that I bought last year, I got a Hackintosh over there. A Linux computer, I'm not quite sure what I'm doing with yet. I got two netbooks back there that I'll get around to doing something with. Um, and then just for a change of pace, over right to my left here, I've got my uh, Edison Amberola. Um, anybody that's not familiar with that, it's one of those old crank-up record players, but the records are uh, they're about the size of a pop can that you slip on the-
1: there the c- the cylinder records yep yep the the ones like is that famous scene from uh, i don 't know if you ever saw it on the uh was it tech t v call for help when yep. Chris Perillo was interviewing that guy, and he shattered one
0: yeah, he crumbled right in front of him yeah, i I treat these things well they're they 're made out of clay and they just got a groove cut in them that goes round and round, and i've probably got about i think about sixty records here um. And like I say, I got that from my uh, grandparents when they passed away. And this thing is almost 100 years years old. I think the latest patent on it is like 1919. Uh, and it's wow. in good working condition yet.
1: Wow, um, that's that's amazing. That, th- that thing sounds really cool. Do you, do you listen to it on a regular basis?
0: No, I'm just afraid that, you know, you use it too much, you're going to wear things out. Now, what I have done is I've... Uh, I have recorded some, and what I should do is just sit down and record them all. It was a real high tech recording method. Um, I stuck my uh, iPod Touch in front of it and just recorded it that way, and then just edited <laughs> things down a little bit. But I did put a few of them on. Um, I did uh, put them on uh, a few on a site called Chir- Chirbit, uh that you can uh, record and upload uh, information, um, and I've. Uh, I got about five uh, five of them up
1: there um, and we'll to put uh, a link to that in the show notes for the listeners
0: yeah like i said, I, I put about I didn't do a lot of them, but I put five of them up there uh and you know kind of a uh, diverse uh, collection of them. I got one here that is by no means politically correct the actual name of it is a darkie's oritation on women remember that yeah remember people this is probably about uh uh eighty ninety years ago when this was recorded um so back then this was probably it, it was actually it's a funny it's supposed to be a humorous thing to listen to but yeah nowadays that could probably get you hurt from two fronts at least
1: yeah that does that does sound painful. I don't think I'd want to uh, be <laughs> on the receiving end of that, but you know no. it's, it it's it's interesting that you mentioned that in uh, old tech um it's a switch from the normal thing where uh uh mark god bless him uh he he's the greatest friend and one of the greatest friends i have in the world but uh the age gap sometimes tells on me when he talks about stuff he did as a kid and i'm going really you did that as a kid i was doing that in my early 30s um yeah so so for a change i have somebody that's more my vintage we'll say yeah, on think, the show i think
0: if i remember it, right, i'm probably a few months older than you so I'll, I don't know that you've crossed over that magic milestone of a half century yet or not, but uh, getting
1: very, very close. close. As, as, as we talked at work today, we've stopped saying our age. Not that I'm ashamed of my age in any shape or form, but we stopped referring to ourselves in years. We now say we're months x months old. So I'm. <laughs> uh, so the listeners know I'm 590 some odd months old at this point in time. <laughs>
0: Well, I've kind of reached that magical point where your memories uh, that you have of uh, you know earlier years uh, they're starting to get that kind of rose-colored tint to them, so that they're actually probably seeming better now than what they did at the time. I think it's called nostalgia.
1: Yeah, it is. It it the uh, I had a conversation uh, with Louis Trapani the other day uh, on Twitter. Uh, he made a reference to something and it, it to an article. And it made me flash back to you remember the old cartoon the Wonder Twins uh, yeah, on TV, yep yeah, uh, the Wonder Twins powers unite, you know yep. and po- uh, uh, yeah, Wonder Twin powers activate activate, that's it, and yep. form of, or shape of whatever <laughs> they said, and uh, he and I were nostalgic back and forth, you know, used to in in that day and time, you know you could only watch cartoons on a Saturday <laughs> morning. Uh, for our U.S. listeners, will probably that are of our vintage will remember that and uh, sitting there with a bowl of cereal. I know back then my cereal, my favorite cereal, I think, and this is a good topic, was Fruit Loops. I loved Fruit Loops. I could not eat enough of those damn things. What was what was yours when you were younger? Well, let's see, Captain Crunch with Crunch Berries was always
0: good. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, there was one that I remember. Um, what was it called? Quakes. Um, oh, I remember that. Yeah, it had a little uh, alien-looking dude on the box. Yeah, little flying saucers, um, things. Yeah. They were kind of like a sweet. What were they oat corn? I can't remember what they were. But while well, everything was sweet back then, there was probably enough sugar in there to power a city. Um,
1: <laughs> yeah. true. Oh yeah.
0: They. they uh, you know, everything was loaded with sugar, and uh, you know why we've made it this far. Our cereals our with sugar, and we would watch like the old uh, uh, Looney Tunes, uh, Road, Road Runner, Bugs Bunny ones where people were getting blown up, hacked, whacked, you know, whatever. Um yeah. You know, all the stuff that's supposed to warp people's minds. Well, I don't know. Maybe this explains a lot. I'm not sure yet, but it
1: may um, explain a lot for both <laughs> of us, actually.
0: <laughs> yeah, and yeah, and you know, like you say, yeah, I would remember. Yeah, you would wake up on Saturday morning because that's when cartoons was on, and you would watch these things. And you know, they were done by noon. It wasn't. There was not an all day you know cartoon channel anywhere. There was a specific time that you watched cartoons, um, and that was your Sunday or your your uh, Saturday morning thing
1: loved cartoons like you said i was i can remember eating the fruit loops and it used to gross uh my mother out well it still grosses my family out the way when i do eat cereal although i have moved on to cheerios at this point in my life so i am eating a little healthier listeners um but uh i do i will pour the milk on my cereal and i let it get good and soggy before i start to eat it okay and, so
0: you we're we're opposites there then because I have to put it on. I don't like it to get mushy. I I want it to, there's a, just that kind of a sweet point where it gets a little soft, but it's not like mush. And so I I'm one of these people that I have to get my milk on and sit down and eat it right away or else.
1: No no I I let it sit for two three four minutes while I'm fixing oh. my toast to go with it. So it so it soaks that milk in and gets that rich flavor. <laughs> and I still do that to this day. And the only cereal I never really did that with that I would eat pretty quickly was uh, Frosted Flakes. I tended to eat those fairly quickly. Another thing, you know, these things were – they sparkled from the sugar that was on the thing. Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah. On my thing right now – I kind of drive my wife a little crazy because I'll eat like frosted mini wheats, but you know those things always kind of shred and there's all that chaff in the bottom. I refuse to eat those and, uh, because it just gets that gloppy uh, stuff. And uh, my wife goes, "Oh, just save that. I'll eat it." And I said, "Well, fine. Go ahead."
1: And that, no, nobody, nobody in this house wants to eat cereal because I let it get too soft. Well, it's the same thing with oatmeal. When I fix myself oatmeal. You know, most people like the oatmeal a little, you know, from being kind of what I call watery to a little thick. My oatmeal is not done until my spoon stands up in it on its own. Straight up and down in the middle.
0: (laughs) Oh yeah, the oatmeal's got to be good and thick. Yeah, and and that's something I don't. I don't eat a lot of hot cereals. It's usually just I wake up in the morning, I kind of pry my eyelids open, and pour some cereal in a bowl, and get a glass of juice. Nothing too uh, extravagant here. So I haven't had oatmeal in a while, but yeah, I do like it good and thick. None none of this uh, watery stuff.
1: Yeah, it it, it's meant to stick to your ribs, Uh, literally, or the roof, or whatever you throw it at that 's exactly right you 're exactly right <laughs> um, so uh, what other areas of geekdom do you have other outside of your computers and your electronics there
0: well I, I can lay fame to actually having flashed a BIOS on a sewing machine. Um, I don't know how many people can say that next door neighbor over here. We kind of, uh, she's a lady in her like seventies or something like that. We got, she not real tech savvy. So she'll call me over once in a while. And she'd gotten, uh, she does a lot of this computer embroidery and she had gotten a, uh, uh a new sewing machine. that had a uh, fl- uh, USB drive on it and she was trying to, and she'd gotten, a external uh, CD to plug in there with all these patterns on it. Well, the uh, the sewing machine would only display file names. You remember how DOS used to do it with uh, eight characters and a three-letter extension? That was all you got for your file names?
1: Yeah, yeah. So,
0: yeah, so that's the way it was uh, displaying the uh, the titles on the CD on there. Well, the problem is these the titles on the CD itself had things like you know uh, a fluffy cat floating on a cloud pattern number three. Well, you can't when you try to squish that down to eight characters, you get something unrecognizable, and she couldn't figure out which pattern was which. Well, <laughs> I went online to the uh, manufacturer's company website and saw that they had a you know a firmware update. So I downloaded onto a USB drive and plugged it in there and followed all the instructions and flashed the BIOS. And now she's got. Uh, uh, full-length file names that actually make sense to her.
1: Wow, that really says something when a sewing machine needs its BIOS flash. <laughs> I, my, my grandmother, God rest her soul, um, who would be what a hundred and ten years old if if she was still with us at this point in time. She, um, she was a seamstress her entire adult life, and maybe even younger than that, uh, earlier in life than that. I'm not sure, but she had. You know, this was back in the 80s and 90s. She worked until she was 80, worked full time until she was 81 years old. And she had a sewing machine that was late 1940s vintage, maybe late 30s or somewhere around there. I can't remember. This thing was old as the hills. And it had been an upgrade from the old foot pedal one that she'd had. So now you flash forward and you're flashing the BIOS (laughs) on a sewing machine.
0: I know. Yeah. It just. It just kind of boggles your mind, Um, uh, you know, some of the, yeah, the technology advances because, yeah, I remember, uh, I don't think Mom ever used, but I do remember seeing the old pedal sewing machine around that probably my grandma uh, would use. Um, And, yeah, you had to sit there and pedal that thing with your foot. Mom's was a little newer. It was a a, a path, but it was electric, but you had the little thing that you push to make it go around and yeah now this one here uh that that embroidery machine of hers you can load patterns onto there you stick your cloth in there it's got different colored threads and it'll just sit there and you just put your pattern in you go out have a cup of coffee maybe go out for dinner depending upon the pattern that you're doing and you come back and there's a completed uh uh, pattern there you don't even have to necessarily run the um the sewing machine it'll do it by itself
1: is amazing well you know i think my mother still has one of the really old ones i remember playing with one of those foot pedal ones where you had to work the pedal to turn the thing and make the needle go up and down and you know that needle moves up and down faster than you'd think with your foot and and it will go through your finger by the way just you know in case any of listeners listeners are worried about that i i can attest to the fact it will go straight through the end of your finger um very quickly and it comes right back out pretty quickly too and not much blood but you know that's beside the point
0: right remember stitch the cloth not the skin
1: yeah well you know (laughs) accidents will happen that makes me uh the the old show uh the old christmas special um the american public may know it i don't know our american listeners may know it but i don't know if the others know it uh how the grinch stole christmas i always flash back to where he's sewing the grinchy or the santa claus suit and the uh poor dog max gets his tail cut up in it and caught up in the machine and comes flying through and sewed into part of the suit so i always think of that when i hear somebody talking about sewing for some reason it's a mental image that i can never get rid of
0: well you know i think we're probably scarred with a lot of those mental images because uh you know like say watching a lot of those uh saturday morning cartoons they did a lot of uh by now uh terms nowadays it's violent you know stuff but you know i i couldn't uh, never get enough of watching the coyote getting flattened by an anvil or you know run over by a train or something like that
1: oh we turned our kids on to those old cartoons and they absolutely love them i you know i even love the old stuff to the point that um and i think you may have seen it at one point i'm a big taz tasmanian devil fan uh, Bugs Bunny and him used to go at it on a regular basis. I have Taz tattooed on my on my right arm, uh, and he's swinging a sword over his head. And used to be blood dripping out of his mouth. Now it looks just kind of like he's drooling really heavily because the tattoo's <laughs> getting quite old. But uh, yeah, yeah that's know, my that's my claim to Saturday morning cartoon fame. Mm. Yeah, and like I said
0: you know we watch a lot of those things, and I don't know, I don't think we, uh, as a uh, Generation, I don't think we've turned out too bad. We've done a lot of things. But, you know, I guess time will tell
1: how, uh, how it all goes. Yeah, we'll see how bad we are. Well, they'll, they'll write our history later on after we're uh, taking the big dirt nap. Um, <laughs> so uh, mo- moving on to something else I wanted to give everybody an update on. Uh, I finally, after ordering it back in, I think it was March, uh, I wanted to let our listeners know I finally got my Raspberry Pi. You know what that is, don't you, Mike?
0: Yeah, a little uh little uh I I've heard of I don't know, I've seen a picture but a small little circuit board that's got a processor, memory,
1: uh USB port,
0: HDMI port, too.
1: Yeah, it's got um it it this thing is incredibly small. I, I get I kind of knew how small it was going to be, but this thing's probably about a footprint. Well, I've got my iPhone right here. I think it's we're, Well, somewhere I have my damn iPhone. Oh, here it is. Um, It's a little bit bigger, maybe, I don't know, maybe a quarter of an inch on each side bigger than my iPhone. Same length. uh, And, of course, thicker. But, yeah, it has uh, HDMI port, two USB ports, uh, power port, uh, an SD card slot, and I'm forgetting one other port, and I don't know what that one is. But uh, I finally got it, and, of course, I... Realized I made one critical mistake. I didn't get a power cord for the thing, so I need to. Mm. I need to figure out what thing it is and see if one of my switching power supplies that I have here will work. But I did, excuse me, I did finally get it. And on on the front of the box, it's interesting. It says "Getting Started." This isn't in very large print, so for any of our uh, (laughs) listeners that are uh, visually challenged, I'll say you you might want to get a magnifying glass. But it says, for getting started, uh, down go to a download site, raspberrypi.org slash downloads. Um, I haven't had a chance to play with it yet. I only have one uh, monitor around here, that um, computer monitor that has an HDMI input. and I'm hesitant to take it off my main computer. But I, I will do it, and I'll play with it and let everybody know. I, I don't know exactly what I'm doing with it, but the thought of a whole computer for uh, $35, brand new which is what, too what tempting did, to pass up.
0: Oh, yeah. What did that have for a processor and how much memory?
1: Um, an, it's,
0: what, oh, wait a, minute.
1: a It's an ARM processor. Okay, uh, what's an ARM? Yeah, wait was a minute. A, maybe, was it a gig of memory? memory? Um, no, I think maybe... I'm trying to remember. I'm looking at... And of course, everybody hears the paper. and it, This is great, <laughs> great audio. Um, you know, I'm trying to see where it has the... I thought it had the standards that, or the uh, configuration that it as it ships. Let me see right. here. <laughs> well, board only. It's a uh, core architecture in an ARM, ARM11, okay. Silicon Core. Uh, doesn't say on here how much memory. I know there's a ton of YouTube videos, uh, and we can put the links to a couple of them in the uh, show in the show notes that really explain the uh, Raspberry Pi and what it is. I'm gonna. Uh, play around with it, try a couple different versions of Linux, because you can boot it from the SD card slot. Um, I'll play with it for a while, and then I'll probably give it to the kids. I mean, for them just to surf the internet and, you know, do a couple things, it'll be fine, and basically it'll look like just a monitor sitting there. It'll be a cheap all-in-one. I think I'll construct a little box of some sort for it to go in, hack something like that together, and I think it'll be a really neat little device um, to play around with. Um, if If I had a real cheap, lightweight monitor, I don't want to buy anything. It would make an interesting little travel computer, too, if you really wanted something.
0: Well, so. what some people have suggested is make it into um, a media center. Put, like, uh, XBMC or something on there. Because um, that's something I keep playing around with on my uh, my computer over here is, uh Eventually, I would kind of like to be able to drop cable altogether, and I'm trying to find sources online of, of the shows I wanna watch. I think I'm pretty close, but it's it's the wife factor that would kinda slow this whole process down. But to be able to put something like that on uh you know, on that Raspberry Pi and just tuck it behind your T V somewhere and get a um, wireless uh, keyboard to go with it for navigation. Maybe one of those fancy ones with like a little trackpad or a rollerball built in for manipulation, something like that would be really cool.
1: Yeah, it would be. I um I tell you the truth, I I like that idea, but you know what I really love, and I've mentioned it on the show before. I you know, and there's no secret and and based on what you talked about, there's no secret for you either. We are a I am a devout Apple fanboy. Um, uh-huh. I, I I do love everything Apple does, but the one piece of uh technology I have that I like the most that isn't Apple gear is my Roku box. I absolutely love that little thing. And it is a fantastic little box. I mean, for something small, and if you don't want to be uh, uh, held to within the um, constraints of the iTunes store, and whether or not you consider that constrained or not, you know, that's open for debate. I don't consider it completely constrained, but it's not completely open either. But uh, I love my little Roku box. It's hooked up to the television here in the uh, office slash den at the house. And I'm actually considering uh buying I've got the X the Roku 2 XD I think it's the it's the top of the line again only ninety-nine bucks uh and I got that one because it has a USB port on it so that I can have my movies that I have legitimate legal copies of uh put on a USB drive and it'll play them straight from there. But I've been thinking about getting a lower end version because I watch a lot of stuff off the Amazon Prime membership because I have an Amazon Prime uh, a member, and I get a lot of free movies that stream that way. And actually, I would have to say it's it's really pretty nice. You, if you have a Prime membership, find something that'll access it, Mike. I think you'd be really yep. pleasantly surprised. Well, I, get,
0: I got a Prime membership, and uh, one of the add-ons. I, that's why I do the uh, XBMC because that is customizable, and there is an add-on on there, so I can access the Amazon movies on there. Um, now, the one thing I like, I said, I've looked at. I kind of looked at a lot of those boxes. Can you get, like, without, okay, when you're talking about me, one word, always remember, cheap. Um, so anything I can get for free, um, you know. So that's why I've been trying to, the, the the XBMC has a lot of places to go to the network sites to find their, their shows. Does the uh, Roku have access to uh, network shows through that, or do you have to go through iTunes or whatever to get that?
1: um i you can get to hulu um I'm trying to think well you can get. amazon prime netflix hulu there's um uh mark's gonna shoot me now i can think of the we were talking about the uh the thing where you can get free content he and it was like about a month or so ago we were talking about it um there's a good there's an, a crackle it took okay well crackles available on there as a channel um there's other channels available on there there's podcasting channels like revision three uh, Twits, um, uh Probably um five by five and a bunch of those no five by five I haven't seen on it because I think they have to okay. develop an app yep. okay. for it to 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 work in the roku store but there's a lot of content there and mainly mm-hmm. what we use it for is to supplement um you know i'm i'm not uh, i'm frugal minded much like yourself. <laughs> Uh, and I have a very low-end Netflix membership. And yes, as we've mentioned on the sto- on the show before, Mike or Mark and I both are still into the physical media. And he who shall remain nameless will chastise us, thusly so, for it. But, um, you know, to supplement my uh, Netflix membership, uh, we use the uh, Amazon Prime, as I was saying, to play movies off there. And we've turned our kids on to... A lot of the old movies that you know were popular when uh, you and I were younger, and my wife as well, um, that we love, Apple Dumpling Gang and things like that. You know, Don, all the old Don Knox movies. They were predictable, but they're funny as all hell. So, um, yeah, was, started
0: watch, I started watching a movie. I think it was on Amazon. Um, they remade made a movie of Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band with the uh, Bee Gees and Peter Frampton in it. And I made it part of the way through, and then I realized why this movie sucks so bad, and then I kind of (laughs) bailed out of it. Um, Yeah, it was, you know, when I watched it in the movie theater, it was okay, but I was also, like, probably 18 years old then. Uh, It it hasn't uh, really done well with age, but you did get to see, um, um, oh darn, now I'm having a mental... The guy who played God on uh, all the the movies with John Denver. um, Oh, George Burns. George Burns, yes. He was... uh, uh Mr Kite uh and they had this whole convoluted story maybe if the story wasn't quite so you know stitched together like a patchwork quilt maybe it would have been you know a little bit better but it just kind of seemed like they f- they took all the songs and then tried to write a story around it and well you know mayhem
1: ensued well i i know i'm going to get chastised by somebody but you mean kind of like the old elvis movies
0: yeah yeah it was kind of a vehicle just to put elvis on the screen and then the plot and everything else was kind of secondary
1: <laughs> yeah he I mean granted the man was talented as hell and could sing 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 up one side and down the other, but ooh, not much of an actor. God rest his soul. Yeah. So um and speaking of uh of things like that, something something I was very sad, and I'm sure Mike probably remembers this too. Uh we lost a great talent two great talents actually, in my opinion, this last week. We lost Andy Griffith, uh whose fame is uh well known at least in this country for the Andy Griffith show. He also did a lot of stand up comedy uh or not stand-up comedy, did comedy albums. If if you go to YouTube and search for Andy Griffith and football and listen to his routine on football, it is absolutely hilarious to listen to him talk about that. I'll find the link to the one I listened to the other night being a little nostalgic. Um and it was really funny. And the and whoever did the uh Kind of Ken Burns animation of uh, drawings to go with it did a really good job. And it's funny, and I'll have to let you listen to that. And many people may not realize Andy Griffith was also a uh, recording artist. Have you ever heard any of his music? Well, just the ones that he would do
0: on the show. But um, I think, well, or maybe, or, you know, way back in the days when they had variety shows on TV, I think we are starting to show our age here, but he would get on those. (laughs) And uh, he would sing, and yeah, he was uh, quite a talented singer, and you know, a good um, uh, picker, and um, and I do remember, you know, th- uh, that he did sing real good. Um, he was, you know, multi talented. Like I say, he was a comedian. He was an actor. He did a little uh, serious stuff because I was I don't remember watching him, but you know, on the recaps that they had, he you know did do uh, did a little film stuff. Um, I think maybe even a stage show or two. Uh, yeah, yeah he so did. he was. So he was more than just uh, you know a, a one dimensional uh, character, and he always had that kind of homespun um, kind of country wisdom where people would think he was kind of a you know a, a hayseed, but you know actually if you kind of got past that, the stuff he was saying was there was a fair amount of sense in.
1: Yeah, you know it's funny. I growing up, I remember watching that show. Of course, it was in reruns. By the time I really remember watching it a lot, um, I love the old original episodes with Don Knotts in them. And then when they got a little further in and some other things, eh, the colorized ones, I did like it. I mean, I'm such an Andy Griffith geek. I actually have the Andy Griffith Show trivia game. Um, And I would challenge most anybody that I can beat them on it. Um, My wife uh, has lamented many times over the obscure facts I know about that show. But um, yeah, but as we were saying, he was very talented. He recorded a lot of gospel music. Um, and a lot of it's on YouTube if the listeners want to go look it up. But uh, Oh, and the other good comedy bit that he does is where he does, uh, and he actually did this one on the Andy Griffith Show, is where he talked about Romeo and Juliet and his take on Shakespeare. It's funny. I recommend you listen to that. Yeah, I think it wasn't a kind of a
0: country version of, uh, uh, I don't want to say necessarily redneck, but kind of a country-fied uh, uh, version of uh, Romeo and Juliet yeah it
1: was yeah
0: something along the lines of uh hey Juliet, where the heck are you or
1: you know along that yeah its that it, it's funny it's it's just good old fashioned and it's clean humor too, so it's even family oh, yeah. friendly so uh, I yeah. would recommend the listeners check it out. I'm sorry you were gonna say something
0: uh no, I was just gonna say well, you know, I also got to thinking about that too, you know you were talking about singers um Jim neighbors who played um um Gomer Pyle Gomer Pyle, yeah, there we go. Uh, I remember him. He turned out to be a heck of a singer too, because um, he was one of those people. he had that kind of uh well golly you know kind of voice, but then when he would sing, he'd hit uh, one of those you know rich baritone uh, uh, voices, and you know it th- just never quite matched up with his uh, speaking voice, and that was one of the characters that I always remembered was uh, uh, when he would sing
1: yeah it's, it's really funny, and I guess uh, for the younger listeners that may have never seen the show. You do know uh, the the guy that played his um, son, or the he was a boy at that time, uh, Ron Howard, played his son as a young uh, lad. And of course, now he's a famous film director with many hit movies to his credit, uh, and his production company's credit. So um, right. that show spawned a lot of careers. I mean, Don Knotts himself went on and had a pretty decent career. Um I'm trying to think some of the other actors that, that, that passed through that show that uh, had decent careers and right now my brain's completely escaping me, but um <laughs> oh, may have yeah, run out of my ear.
0: I'm sure there's ones on there that made guest appearances that went on to do uh other things. And I think there was a what uh, didn't it have kind of a few spin offs? Um like um, Mayberry RFD did that um
1: Yeah, that was with uh, Ken Barry was it Ken Barry? No. Ken Ken Barry, yep. Yeah, yeah, that was a spinoff. It kind of, uh, Andy Griffith's show ended and that one kind of picked up and went on. Never a real fan of that show. Um, but, yeah. it, but it, it lasted for a few years.
0: Yeah, but I think, you know, a lot of those, I think there were CBS shows and CBS just decided to start killing off its rural comedies, as they call them, because I think they can Green Acres and Mayberry. Beverly Hillbillies. Yep. And, um, um, Petticoat Junction, or maybe that one was dead by that time. But, yeah, they just kind of went, uh, canned a lot of those shows and then went on with the more, uh, at that time, hip, uh, I don't know if it was quite urban comedies yet, yeah, but the city, you know, sophisticated comedies, I think, is what they were shooting for.
1: Yes, because the Jeffersons were much more sophisticated, and Archie Bunker <laughs> was much more sophisticated people than oh, uh, yes. the rest of Ar- um. Archie Bunker is the pinnacle of high society, yeah. Well, you know, it's funny, I don't. have you ever been down here to the D.C. area and gone to the uh, Smithsonian Museums, Mike? No,
0: I never have. Someday I would like to. Uh, I should put that on my, you know, bucket list at some point.
1: I, if you do get down here, and uh, if I'm not uh, taking a dirt nap by the time you get here, um, <laughs> we'll have to go down to the American, it's the American History Museum, and Archie Bunker's chair, it, Archie and Edith's chair, I actually, I think both of them are in there, are there in the museum. So that you can see them,
0: and this so uh, was it, Mister Rogers' sweater. Did that? I, yeah, make I believe his.
1: I, I believe it is along with Indiana Jones' hat and whip from the original three movies. I guess it would have been not the because the fourth one came out after that stuff had gone into the museum,
0: right? And I don't so. know if the fourth one was worthy of going in the museum anyway, but uh, or being recognized, but.
1: Uh, I you know, actually, I I enjoyed that whole series. The second one was the the second one in the series was probably my least favorite. The first and third are kind of tied. The fourth one was uh, I liked it. I mean, it wasn't no, it wasn't the greatest, but it was still pretty good. I mean, you got to give um, uh, what uh, Harrison Ford credit. I mean, even at sixty some years old when he did that movie, dude still did a pretty damn good <laughs> job of making a convincing argument. Oh yeah.
0: I, I like the one with uh, Sean Connery as his dad. That one was kind of uh, um, that was was a good one to watch with the you know the father son uh, stuff going on.
1: Yeah, that was the third one. That was the third one in the series. Yep. So yeah, they, that was that was really good, and, and uh, I really enjoyed it. Like I said, the second one was the only one that was just kind of strange. It was okay, but eh, it yeah. was just- It was it ranks last for me as far as listening to them. And if our listeners have any opinions that would like to (laughs) disagree with me, and not that that would ever happen, we do welcome all feedback at uh, geekiestshowever at gmail.com. The other thing I mentioned, there was two passings this week. The other person that passed was Ernest Borgnine. Now, I know Mike knows who he is. Uh, Maybe our younger listeners don't know who he is. But he did have recent work that everybody may know. If you've ever seen an episode of SpongeBob, he did the voice for uh, a Mermaid Man. Uh, that was Ernest Borgnine. Now, I remember him from back, uh, again, back in the 60s. A uh, show he used to do, by no means the only thing the man ever did, uh, was Mikhail's Navy. Do you remember that one, Mike?
0: Yeah, I kind of watched that one a little bit. Uh, I think I caught most of them in reruns. Um yeah, I, you know, my first impressions of him was watching a lot of the old, uh, the war movies, because he would always play like a, you know, a grizzled uh, war veteran or, you know, the, the, the tough guy kind of roles. And, uh, yeah, it was a little later on, after I'd seen those, I did see Mikhail's Navy. Yeah, he did, you know, played comedy there. He could do drama. He could, uh, you know, he uh, was, uh, and he had a long career, because didn't it say up until, he did his last show well, within a few years Uh, If I remember the obituary right,
1: well, I think he'd been doing. I think he'd done voice work all the way up until the last, till within the last year, maybe. I mean, he was ninety five years old, if I'm not mistaken, when he passed away. So, I mean, that's that's quite a long time. And you know what I always, what I found funny is, like I said, I remember him first from, and I I know the films you talk about, but I remember him first from McHale's Navy. And the guy that played Ensign Parker on that show was Tim Conway. And then funny enough, then Tim Conway is the one that did the voice for Barnacle Boy on uh, most on all the SpongeBob cartoons. It's just weird. You know, they come back around and they're working together again.
0: Yeah. And, you know, Tim Conway, um, you know, the Carol Burnett show in here, you know, we're back to the variety shows again. But, you know, I really miss and I, my wife actually bought the DVD set of the Carol Burnett of uh I think there's two different sets. She's got one set, and there's another one out there, of about uh, three DVDs of about six shows each, I think it is. Or is it six and 12 shows? But anyway, she's got those, and she watched them. And you know, I love those, uh, especially like you get uh, uh, Tim Conway and Harvey Korman uh, oh, working off Lord. each other. Yeah, um, the, I think the funniest one I've ever seen is the dentist routine. At some point, Harvey just loses it. He just does it. He, he can't even stay in character because uh, Tim is just over there. He's Novocaine, trying to give, uh, give him a shot of Novocaine. He missed. He hits his arm, and you know, pretty soon his arm's flopping out, so he's taking one arm and flopping it over the chair, and then he misses and he hits his leg, and his leg goes numb. So then he's kind of lifting his leg up on top of the chair while he's trying to work on Harvey Corman. The, and then, like I said, it's. At some point, Harvey just loses it. He doesn't even stay in character. He's just laughing his stupid butt off over there. And it's just, to me, that's one of the funniest moments to see. Is just, you know, those two just working off each other. And um, I'm a guy that really appreciates, I really love good humor. And just to watch those guys go at it there, uh, I, I think that's one of my geek things there is, is, is comedy. And like I say, the Carol Burnett show, especially those two, that was just some good old funny humor.
1: Oh, it was. It was it was absolutely hilarious. And Tim uh, Tim Conway, the other character that he would do that would make Harvey Corman just lose it, it's when you do that old man that moved really slow, you know, he was ah, shuffling yeah. along. It'd take him like a, an hour to get across the room. I'm coming on me right there. Fire, you know. He was trying to do stuff <laughs> and get across there. And he would just have Corman in stitches. There is uh, YouTube has a ton of uh, outtakes from the Carol Burnett show that uh, people ought to try to if they get a chance to look at. And one of the funny ones there is where Tim Conway starts talking about. Uh, he plays the uh, little guy that worked in the hardware store along with uh, Carol Burnett's husband, who was Harvey Korman. Um But he starts talking about being uh, these two Siamese elephants that were joined together at the trunk. Oh, oh yeah, my God, that just I just kills me to watch that every time I watch it. It's I think that was hilarious. Mama's. Mama's family, Mama's fa- if I remember that. Yep. Yeah, that's what spun into the show that became Mama's Family was from that. But you okay. know, Vicky Lawrence was hilarious on that too. She had that um, the, in these outtakes that I'm talking about, and it was it, it's very funny. It's not really family friendly language in some of them, but <laughs> the way they go into some, when they would just come out of character and, and some of the things she would call and and some of the things she would say to uh, Carol Burnett. It's funny. I I would encourage our listeners to check that out on YouTube. Um, Carol Burnett Show, and then look for the different clips. And there are a lot of just outtakes from the show with all kinds of actors. And uh, Harvey Korman, um, of course, Tim Conway, Lyle Wagner were regulars on the show, as well as Vicki Lawrence. Uh, But I'm trying to think. uh, Ken Berry used to be on that show. Um, There were some other real – oh, uh, the Broadway actress Bette Midler and different people like that that were on the show with her. It's it's very entertaining. I encourage you to go take a listen to that.
0: And you know, I like that kind of comedy, and you know, you get a bunch of those people just working off each other like that, and you just watch it kind of start to flow and everything. Um, I, I like that kind of stuff, and I also like Johnny Johnny Carson. Uh, he did a lot of stuff there and what i consider one of the funniest moments on tv or at least for me it was from one of his older shows he had one of the guys on that uh, he played an in indian on a lot of uh, in the old western movies and he was doing this tomahawk throwing routine and he had this um, outline of a man there on plywood and the idea was that he was going to throw the tomahawk at the guy and it was going to hit him in the chest well, I think the story goes that one of the uh, stagehands saw this candle was cracked on uh, on his uh, tomahawk, and he put a little tape on it, which threw the ch- uh, trajectory off. So when he threw it, it landed right at the crotch of this guy. Okay, well, you know, this was like, oh, yeah, this was like, I think, 50s or 60s. It was in black and white. You know, the audience is cracking up, and Johnny's just over there kind of chuckling and, you know, and everything. And then uh, at some point when uh, the crowd had kind of died down a little bit, he looked at the guy and said, gee, I didn't know you were Jewish. And then, you know, the whole crowd <laughs> spins off into it again. And for me, that's just one of the funniest things where he just kind of comes up with that, you know, the ad lib on the on the cuff of the moment there and just, you know, takes any situation and runs with it.
1: Yeah. It, you know, I remember an old bit from Johnny Carson. I hadn't thought of that until you mentioned that. I think it was back when uh, Arnold Palmer was big in golf, which would have been the 60s sometime, if, I'm not, if memory serves me correctly and i i'm pretty sure that's who it was and uh johnny had uh, uh his wife on the show one night and she was he was talking to her and he said well, you know your husband's an athlete or in you know into sports and a lot of athletes have you know certain things they do before every competition they participate in and uh and and she said well yeah so he's he's pretty much the same he said well what's what's his routine what do he What's he do? She he said, "Well, his big thing is, I always kiss his balls for good luck, and Parson or Carson without dropping beat, said, "Well, I bet that really makes his putter stiff." <laughs> was, was it that, Or did it make his putter flutter? I I think she I think he said stiff if I remember it right. Okay. it's been a long time since I, I've seen that one.
0: And I and I don't think I saw it directly. I think I've heard re, uh, retellings of it. Now they they always said putter flutter. But uh, yeah, that would probably you know, do it too. Yeah, and like you say, just off the cuff of the you know off his cuff like that. Um, I, I respect that kind of um, uh, you know comedic um, work like that. And then Robin Williams is one of those two that you know, I just I he can do anything and just put me in
1: stitches. Oh, I know. He's, he's he's so amazing. I heard, you know, after the fact, the show Mork and Mindy, which I liked, that was not one of my favorites It was on years ago what in the seven, late 70s, I guess, that a lot of the stuff he did on that show was never written. It was just kind of an outline, and he would just boom off into a tangent, and they would just record it and put it out, just, you know, look just like it was part of it. But if you watch him do some of his bits, and I still say one of his funniest bits ever is where, he, and it's on YouTube too, is you can see where he talked about playing golf and about the invention of golf, the Scottish, and you should like that about the Scottish <laughs> oh, yeah. inventing inventing golf. The I think it's called the 19th hole, or I can't remember what it's called. It's hilarious. Again, not family friendly. Robin Williams <laughs> does get a little bit blue at times. Um, but it's it's worth listening to if if uh, if you if you ever get a chance or worth seeing because, and he is he just he just goes off the cuff and comes up with these weird things and I, I, I how does somebody's I, mind work like that? Well, yeah,
0: it's actually kind of frightening to think how his mind yeah does work like that because one of the funniest bits I've ever seen him do was he was on the Inside the Actor Studio on I think it was A and E, uh, and he uh, was he did this about. I think, 10-minute bit, he just got this pink scarf from somebody in the audience. And uh, he just did 10 minutes with this pink scarf. And so the story goes that, um, I forget the guy who hosts that show, he came on and said that after the filming of that, one of the ladies had to to be taken away in an ambulance because she laughed so hard she suffered a hernia just from watching Robin Williams do his comedy routine. (laughs) (laughs)
1: you know I remember that that's right I do remember seeing that and I remember the bit you're talking about he just got it from like a lady there in the front row or something and he just launched into this tirade that was amazing and he had to be murdered when he was
0: like doing cocaine because then his mind just must have been flying all over the place. I mean when he's <laughs> when he's clean, he's got an amazing mind, and you know, you hype it up on a little, you know, uh go juice there, and boy, it it must have been just been scary to be around.
1: I think that concert that where that golf thing came from that I talked about uh was during that time period where he might have been enhancing his performance it, it, <laughs> as, as yeah. you might say. <laughs> A little added inspiration there. <laughs> yeah, really. It's it's kind of amazing how uh, how that'll go. Well, and you know, this show, and as anybody that's listened for a while, know that we can't get through a week uh, without talking something about uh, bathrooms or our butts. But this week, we're going to try to keep it somewhat scientific. Uh, Mike and I in our conversation a couple days ago, we were, we were deciding on how we were going to record the show because Mark's been sick for a few days. Uh, again, that mankini, Mark, really, I, I would wait till summer if you're going to wear your mankini. But um, I would. we were talking about things, and uh, Mike brought up that he was watching on the History Channel the show Modern Marvels about bathroom tech. Well, immediately I had to flip over and watch it as well. That was I want- good. I liked it. I was wondering if you would,
0: because like you say, we just started this conversation. I just happened to be watching that. I'm going, hmm, uh, geekiest show ever, bathroom tech. Yeah, there's a tie-in here somewhere. This has got to work. Um, and, you know, and, and, and so you did watch it. So you did see some of the stuff that was going on then.
1: Yeah, I only missed like the first um, 10 minutes. I think it okay. was maybe 10, min- 10 minutes of the show
0: that's about where, you know, I, I recorded I should have gone back to check on it. But, you know, the first part was, you know, not so much. But when they got to the toilets, and especially when they, uh, and you know, and I'm not naive, but when they started showing, like, the old Roman toilets, uh, even I was kind of going, wow, really? Uh, because what they were was just kind of like a they were basically like a park bench with holes cut in it and you just kind of lifted your toga and you backed up and you did your stuff and you know and, uh there was no booths there was no privacy it was just you know all out there for you know everyone to see i'm going yeah. okay i'm not quite that
1: liberal well you know it's it's funny you you talk about that it makes me think about yeah you know, here we go geeky show we got to talk bathrooms but mm-hmm. if, if, when you go to some of these big sporting events and something like that, when you go in the men's rooms, ladies, I don't know how it is in the ladies' room. I haven't been in one for years, um, and I deny ever being in one, actually. Anyway, the um, the um instead of having urinals at some of these older facilities, they have just those troughs that you stand up to and, and urinate in. That always bothered me. That just seemed yeah. weird.
0: Yeah, that and you know, I'm going to show my country roots here because we had uh, – uh, well, when I was growing up, we had you know running water in the house and everything, but there were still some places that had the, uh, the old outhouses and back, and some of them were two-holers. And I'm thinking, no, I, I like conversation, but I just, I just couldn't get comfortable doing that, uh, talking to somebody while we're both doing our business there. That just was not going to work for me, and I, I could never understand how people could you know, do that. That's got to be a different upbringing.
1: It, it, you know the throne as you normally see it is only one person I think you know normally the they say the king or the queen is sitting on the throne and it's the prominent chair so yeah I don't know if I'd like a two-holder but I do remember here you know I, I do remember hearing people talk about that again we, we both grew up in a time when there was indoor plumbing but I am well aware of places that did not have indoor plumbing uh, in my youth and um, but I think it was a sign of, uh, of uh, wealth. Maybe you're not wealth, but having a little bit of money if you could afford to have a 2 holder uh, <laughs> oh, <I laughs> instead of it just a single s- one.
0: I suppose it was a sign of prestige or something, but I don't want to be that prestigious, really.
1: Yeah, and I'm pretty sure that nobody wants me to be prestigious with them. I'm just, I'm <laughs> just saying. <laughs> yeah. You know what What I found interesting when they talked about it, I'd always heard the stories about the, uh, the Sears and Roebuck catalog and that being used as toilet paper. And I thought it funny when they talked about, and I could and they explained it there, and it just had never clicked with me. They talked about when Sears switched from the kind of newsprint style catalog over to the glossy style of print that uh, people gave up using the Sears and Roebuck catalog for toilet paper.
0: Well, so. and I know they always talked about it. And yeah, and like you say, when they said, uh, yeah, the switch to glossy, and I kind of went, oh, yeah, that makes sense. And then the corn cobs, too, um, you know, um, I was aware that people had used that. The one that I did find interesting why was why they explained why there was no left-handed people um, was it in uh, in Asia, in Asia, and the Middle East? East, yeah. Because without any toilet paper there, you used what's at hand, which was well, like your left hand, um, and that was what you used. And so, and you know, that was considered an unclean thing. So everybody was right-handed, and left-handed was just used for well, other. Purposes, and I'm going. Okay, that's considering my son is left-handed. I knew I f- know a few other left-handed people. I'm going. Wow, that's really interesting. That just by cultural uh, um, uh, uh, customs that you could uh, make everybody right-handed.
1: You, you know, I find that amazing too because I myself am left-handed. Matter of fact, my wife is left-handed. All of our children are right-handed. My wife is completely left-handed. Uh, she does everything left-handed. I do. I write and eat left-handed but if i'm uh back in the days when i played baseball or uh, when i used to golf i did all that right-handed so i'm a little bit ambidextrous i guess or maybe one nut short of a full uh, full jar whatever you want to call it or you know i don't know but I, it makes me wonder now that if i you know go into those other countries and and somebody sees me writing with my left hand are they going to like not want to touch the paper i did or something you know
0: well, yeah, like I said, those cultural taboos can be a pretty strong, um, a strong thing. Because um, you know, going back to like the Roman stuff, they had like communal baths, and I think they were separated men and women. But um, and it wasn't you know the bath in the sense that we use a bath tub. It was just kind of a more like a swimming pool, I guess, that you went into. But uh, you, you did it all naturel and again, that's that's a cultural norm that I would have trouble crossing.
1: Yeah. I, I can't imagine, um, I mean, getting, getting in with a bunch of other guys, filth, although you get in a public swimming pool, God knows what it is. When we were traveling recently, uh, we had the kids were down in the pool and I just hadn't felt like getting in the pool when we were, uh, down there. So I was just standing there keeping an eye on them. You know, if something happened, I could get in and get them and help them because I can swim very fairly well. But the uh, another group came down. They had this little child who was obviously too young to be potty trained. Very oh. obvious. They put this child in the pool. This child did not have a swim diaper on. Did not have a diaper <laughs> of any kind on. I'm going, really? Really? You couldn't put a swim diaper on this child? Because you know the little kids are. And this kid couldn't have been more than you know 20, maybe 28 months old. Somewhere in that neighborhood. Nice little child. But... Yeah. You know, she's probably not potty trained and
0: yuck. You know. <laughs> well, I think, if I remember right, on the local news here uh, down in Sioux Falls, I think they closed down the, the pool and had to clean it out because somebody um, had diarrhea in the pool and then they had to close it down and sanitize the whole thing and, you know, pour on the chlorine and, you know, everything else. And yeah, it's one of those things that. Um, you know, if everybody hates themselves, it's fine. But if something like, you know, like a kid or somebody who shouldn't be in the pool for whatever reason, you, you, that does kind of make a person give you, give you kind of the willies when you think about some of that stuff.
1: Okay, fla- flashback on our age again. This is this show might need to be titled Old Parts <laughs> Talk or something like that. Um, I, You remember the, the movie Caddyshack? Yep. And you remember the scene where he dropped the baby Ruth candy bar in the pool? Yep, and everybody got out really quick. <laughs> yeah, they do <are>. doo-doo, <laughs> and they all jumped out of the pool and ran, and then when they were cleaning the pool out, you know, getting it all cleaned up, and good old Chevy Chase, or not Chevy Chase, it was Bill Murray was down there, and he reaches down and picks it up and bites it, and the judge's <laughs> wife just faints right on the spot.
0: Yeah, and you know, it was... Uh-
1: I was thinking about
0: Caddyshack the other day because the wife looked out the back window and she saw a gopher in the backyard and she's saying something about doing something about it. And I thought about the movie, uh, the the scene from uh, Caddyshack where he's going after the the gopher with the dynamite. Oh, yeah, where he's
1: throwing the plastic explosives down the hole. No, I'm just a friendly little squirrel, Mr. Gopher. No need to worry. (laughs) Now I'm picturing holes in our backyard, but, you know. Well, of course, every time I think of that movie, I always think about the Gopher dancing. I uh, am all right; nobody's worried about me. So yeah, I, that's uh that that was a classic movie. You know, I gotta. I think now I, this weekend I have my movie watching down. I think I'm gonna do a Caddyshack, and follow that with Blazing Saddles. I love uh, yes. that movie, Blazing Saddles. The Got campfire enough, scene. Yes. Had any. You want some beans, (laughs) Mister (laughs) Taggers?
0: I got that on recorded on and on my uh, my uh, entertainment center over here. Yeah, I should fire that one up and watch it. Um, um, and you know, one of my favorite movies was Airplane, just because of all the uh, you know the bad jokes in that one or the bad uh, puns.
1: Oh, I know! I remember going to see that at the movie theater. Uh, back in the day, yes, listeners, I did actually used to go to the theater at one time. I know I haven't been in like almost twenty years to a theater, but um, we were sitting there, we were watching the movie, and it cuts to that scene where everybody starts to panic, and it it all of a sudden you see this woman that's bare chested stand up in front of the screen, and the whole screen's full, filled with nothing but this woman's <laughs> breasts, and you know the whole theater kind of gasps for a second, and then you hear this little kid down in the front of the theater go, "Mommy." That was her boobies. <laughs> and then the theater just lost it. It just went downhill from there. And this little kid had the theater in complete stitches for another 10 minutes or so of that movie.
0: Well, I, I kind of actually blame uh, that movie and the book Catch-22 for my kind of warped sense of humor. Because uh, one of the lines in that movie that I, uh, I love for a couple of reasons was the, the guy that says, uh, Surely you must be kidding. No, I'm not, and don't call me Shirley. Oh, because, uh, Leslie Nielsen. Yes. Um. And, and the reason that I find that funny is because, honest to goodness, I actually had an Uncle Shirley. Uh, it really got confusing when you tried to tell somebody that you had an Uncle Shirley. They'd look at you like you you know, had too much wine to drink or something or that you were a little nuts. But uh, And so, yeah, every time I saw that movie, I'm going, I actually have an Uncle Shirley. Um, and so that was my funny moment from that movie. But, you know, a lot of those things like uh, a hospital, what is it? It's a big building full of sick people, but that's not important right now. All that kind <laughs> of, uh, you know, off the uh, the left field kind of humor where you just take something and take it in a completely different direction. you got somebody looking at you going, are you all together?
1: Yeah, the the guy that said, I, I picked the wrong week to quit smoking. I picked the wrong week to quit sniffing glue and all that <laughs> other stuff.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, and then the one that really just slayed us was the – uh um, I can't remember the the crazy kind of uh weather man or whatever. Uh they'd throw him a map and say, Here, what do you make of this? He said, I can make a hat, I can make a broat.
1: Oh yes, yeah, yes. He wa he was good. I, I know who you're talking about. He was hilarious. And he was the one they said something pour all the lights you can on the field. And he was the one that had the dump trucks with the lamps out there dumping them all over the airfield so they could see a land in the plane.
0: Oh yeah. It was just stupid silly and it, my wife will look at me and kind of like, you know, you know, are you all right or whatever? And But yeah, it was just that stupid silly and you know, I guess the reason I liked it was it would take all these things that people say and actually kind of turn it around so you realize that what you're saying is maybe kind of stupid or you know, maybe you have to think about some of the things that you say and it, it at least gets you to think a little bit. Um, And I actually kind of torture my daughter with that because uh, she's gotten to the point now where she says things that other people will think will just sound silly. But um, she'll say something like – or she used to say something like, you need to get your hair cut. And I said, no, I need to get my hairs cut and now she's to the point where you know she said dad you need to get your hairs cut or the other thing i would torture her about is she'd come down and ask for a pop and I said well what's wrong with me you're you already got one pop why do you need another one now she just asked for a soda
1: yeah my kids are my kids are getting that too they uh they've had several of those things uh the the hairs thing i've done too and uh, it's like the old joke that you know that the uh the toothbrush had to be uh, had to have been invented in West Virginia because any place else it would have been a teeth brush, you know, and and stuff like that. So,
0: I've never yeah, now, heard that
1: one. Yeah, now we just lost both of our West Virginia <laughs> listeners. So I apologized for that. Now, are um, we down to like threes of listeners now, from five to three, or? Oh, we've gotten up to nines of listeners. So now we're down to, to, to back to fives of listeners. <laughs> are we? Are we down to seven of nine now? Though that would be the under- <laughs> That would be a
0: oh, whole other topic. Of that's gonna,
1: yeah. yeah. Wait a minute. I might need a moment alone after you said that. <laughs> no, we just had a Star Trek moment here. <laughs> yeah. Star Trek geeked them as is appropriate for this show. Yeah. So, uh, But yeah, the the bathroom tech show was great. And, um, it, you know, it's funny the stuff like the, the phrase, uh, I'm going to the crapper, where I kind of knew where that came from, but I didn't realize its exact origins. Uh, where it talks yeah. about sir thomas crapper
0: and i was a little off i thought he had manufactured or he had invented but he would, was one of the manufacturers of uh of toilets uh, i thought he in the you know folklore how it goes i was under the impression that maybe he had invented or maybe not invented but added some new technology to it but i think his claim the frame was fame was just that um yeah, he had built a lot of these toilets. And I think the way that they told it in the uh, show was that a lot of the American uh, servicemen was over there, I believe in France or in England during the war. And they saw, you know, it was built by the Crapper Company. And pretty soon they just got to the point where they were saying, well, we're going to go to the Crapper now. And it's just kind of, you know, stuck in inf- infamy.
1: Yeah, it is, it's funny how those phrases get started. And, um, the uh the other thing that when they started talking about the toothbrush and, and some of the things they brought up about that, I didn't know that they used to be made from hog hair. I was like oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that, that one important. I
0: remember. Well yeah, because 'cause I've seen pigs in their natural habitat. Um they I like have them, too but Yeah. Yeah.
1: I've, I've actually fallen uh face first but not face down into a pig pen as a result of a Less than a uh, happy milk cow uh, that I was near when it was trying to be milked <laughs> so, um,
0: well on um, the farm we we used to raise pigs, and um you know one of my memories from back then you know I'm surprised I've actually you know uh, been able to have children because we would go out and one of the things you had to do was you had to uh castrate the boars, uh, the little, uh, so that the meat wouldn't take on a strange flavor. So you'd do them when they were like uh, two, three days old, really young yet. So I would kneel down on the ground and uh, tuck uh, tuck them between my knees and grab their legs and pull them back. And then dad would stand there with a razor blade and, you know, cut them and, you know, pop them out. Well, you know, I certainly wouldn't want to lose mine. So he's sitting there kicking me in mine, and he's kind of figuring, if I'm going to lose mine, you're going to, you know, have yours beaten up pretty good, and, you know, that was one of the experiences of being a farm boy, and, you know, should have just been issued a cup at birth just to protect ourselves, because there was, you know, some injuries there, Um, you know, getting like three foot over a four foot barbed wire fence could be another interesting experience.
1: (laughs) Yeah, really. Yeah, I didn't grow up on a farm. But my grandparents uh, had a farm, and I'm most uh, probably, oh, fifty percent of the pe- the kids I ran around with as a youngster were were you know were living on a farm. Most of it being da- dairy farms, actually. But uh, yeah, the the pig thing, and you know, I remember. You, are you familiar with the term mountain oysters? Yep, I've I've made a few. Well, the um, I remember a friend of mine, him and his girlfriend, who wasn't quite so country fied, will say were uh, at a picnic at a local uh, political rally, and uh, they were they were sitting there eating. And and his uh, what's his wife now? She went up and she'd come back and she was eating the mountain oysters, and she's just eating them left and right. And for people that don't know what mountain oysters are, they are pig testicles that have been cooked, or, or this beef testicles. Cu-
0: beef testicles, yeah. My I always yeah. Just, they explain when somebody asks, "What's a mountain oyster?" and I say, "Do you know the difference between a bull and a steer?" And yeah. if they didn't, well,
1: okay. Yeah, but she's, she's just eating these things along. And, and God bless her, she's a sweet. one of the sweetest people I know. But she's eating these things along. And she said, well, Randy, said, you know, where do they get the oysters from around here? I've never seen any in the streams or anything around here. And so he had to lean over and say, no, Lori, these <laughs> are not those type of oysters. They are, and she just about blew chunk. Right there at this political dinner when he told her to,
0: and ran the other way. Well, and, you know, growing up, you know, in in the country like that, and not me so much because I was at that generational point where I started eating more of the processed, you know, normal food. But my mom would, um, she would uh, cook up tongue, beef tongue, mm-hmm. uh, eat that kind of stuff. Uh, I can remember she would make, um um Hogshead cheese where you would take the head of a, of the pig and you would uh, boil it down and the meat would fall off, and then you would take that and compress it down, and so the meat and the fat would kind of congeal. Um, mm-hmm. Or the other yep. thing was, the one that I actually liked was uh, she would render lard, so you'd take the fat from the pig and you would just heat it up and melt the fat off and drain that off, and then you had these cracklings left, which was like, you know, probably... Three billion uh you know uh, calories, and you know God knows how much fat, but they were just these yeah. really crispy, crunchy little uh you know fat bits there that uh, kind of like the stuff you get out of the bottom of the uh, uh fry daddy when you empty it out, but it just had that rich uh porky flavor to it, and I just would love to eat those until you know then your stomach would start to get a little sour after a while
1: yeah well you know something I remember um i'm a I still love sausage who doesn't like sausage um and I love scrapple, but the one thing i you know uh scrapple's made from the when you make sausage as our friend Allison is fond of saying when she's doing the no cast you know you're you're watching the sausage being made well, the leavings from sausage are what you turn into scrapple, and I know you know this Mike and I love scrapple it's good then they add in um you know, some flour and uh, more grease. I guess for lard. I guess for lack of a better term. But then when they have the leavings from that, they turn it into pudding. Now that is oh. something I never could eat. That was just almost like nothing but grease and flour, or lard and flour. Yeah, that's up.
0: Oh, that's over the line. And um, you know, well, and then mom would say too because um, she, uh, well, she passed away a year ago, but she was like ninety three. So she grew up. Uh, you know, during the '30s and that kind of t- thing, uh, th- th- at that time, and she would say that they would go to school, and one, of, uh, and sometimes what they would take for lunch would be bread with goose liver smeared on it, or goose goose grease uh, smeared on it. Um, And that was what they would, yeah, that's what they would eat. And, um, you know, the fact that she lived to be 93, you know, considering, you know, some of the stuff that they did and some of the stuff that they ate was actually probably quite amazing. But yeah, they would do all that kind of uh, stuff. They would, you know, live off the land and, you know, there wasn't any part of the animal that probably went to waste. They used it for, you know, something or another.
1: Oh yeah, it was very utilitarian. I mean, my mom grew up, uh she's still with us. She was very young during the thirties, but um she she was very familiar with it. My grandmother, uh, God rest her soul that I mentioned earlier, was born in nineteen oh two. Um, so she was very aware of you know, living off the land. God rest her soul, she was you know, plastic bags were something that came about in her lifetime and she used to is uh, to make extra money would sell bread that she handmade on the side rolls and biscuits uh, to people in the, in the town she lived in. But because plastic bags were so expensive when she would get a plastic bag that had had a loaf of bread that she'd bought at the store or something, she would wash these bags out and then turn them inside out to dry. And I still have the memory of going into her house, going through the back porch into the house, and there was a special clothesline out there that she had all these plastic bags hanging on that were drip drying out after she washed them. Bless her heart. So, oh, yeah, yeah. They, are, oh. they lived off the land and lived, you know, made everything count, and everything had more than one purpose. Oh, yeah. Well, there's a a town
0: near here. It's called Haytai, and uh, supposedly the way the name of the town came about was that uh, during the 30s, South Dakota doesn't have a lot of trees out here, and um, there was uh, a lot less during the 30s. And so what they would do at the time is they didn't have wood to burn to stay uh, warm during cold South Dakota winters, because, I mean, we get down to zero or more uh, sometimes. They would go out, and they would gather hay up, and they would take it and tie it into a knot and try to get it kind of tight, Then they would burn that in their stoves for uh, heat, and so that's how the name of the town Hayti came
1: about.: That's pretty cool. I like that. I never heard that one before. It's you know, I still have never uh, we go to Pennsylvania a lot, and there's always a town we go through up there called Intercourse, Pennsylvania. I never have quite figured out where the name for that town came from, but uh well, especially since it's in the middle of Amish country. Yeah, well, there's this
0: joke, and uh, Julie Keel kind of had to set me straight, because I got the punchline wrong, and I was trying to do it in Twitter, and trying to do that in 140 characters is a little tough. There's actually, and I've been through this town, uh, there's a town in uh, Minnesota called Climax, and then uh, there's another town called Fertile, and so the headline in the paper one time read that said, Fertile woman dies in Climax. (laughs) Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, and like I said, I was actually through the town of Climax. I, uh, one of my former jobs, I was went uh, driving a truck up there to pick up some stuff, and it was in the winter time. I was going up the the interstate, and the weather there was fine; the sun was out. Well, I turned to go east to start going towards the town. And a little snow drifting across the road, and then as soon as I get to the town of Climax, it is a whiteout. I'm driving a big white truck in a whiteout. I'm creeping along the highway trying to get to the next town, and I'm sitting there thinking, I'm going to make it to that town because I don't want people going at work saying, what happened to Mike? Oh, he died in Climax. No way was (laughs) I going to give him the punchline to that joke.
1: You you didn't want that as an epitaph on your tombstone. No, I didn't. (laughs) Well, um, speaking of tombstones, that's kind of the end of life, and I think uh, we've kind of come to the end of the show. So, uh, Mike, I'd like to thank you for joining me this week and and uh, keeping us going uh, despite Mark's sickness and and uh, his wearing of the mankini, which caused it. Um, can you tell the listeners where you can be found?
0: Well, I can be found. Um, I'm DSC Chipman on Twitter. Uh, I have a an about.me page, which is about.me slash Mike McPeak, and then I have a um, a. Uh, um, blogger um, uh, site where I take pictures and write stories and uh, put put with them and that's uh, mmcpeak.blogspot.com
1: Very good and as always you can always find me with my Twitter addiction although I've been told lately it hasn't been quite as bad Uh, you can find me on twitter.com forward slash big underscore in underscore va or big in Virginia as some people like to say uh, and you can find links to the other stuff I do over at the about.me forward slash uh, Kevin Alder. If you want to know more about The Geekiest Show Ever, I would encourage you to go to the com, and you can read there and see links to the current this show and previous shows uh, posted there. Uh, you can also visit us through the Stoplight Network. We're a proud member of that group. Uh, so until next week, I'd like to say thank you for, again to Mike for joining us. And between now and next week... Don't forget to hug a geek. Hi, everybody. I'm Tim Robertson from the Tech Fan Podcast. I'm David Cohn from the Tech Fan Podcast. And you know, David and I have a bet. In ten years, he thinks the NFL. He's a Brit, so you gotta give him a little, give him a little, you know, slack. He thinks in ten years the NFL Super Bowl is going to be on pay per view. Fifty bucks. I say no way. Definitely going to happen. I. It's not. Yeah, I'm afraid it is. So if you want to hear it, just if you want, just not going to happen. you know, 50 bucks though in, in, in 10 years, David, I'll be able to buy a six pack. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. It's going to be about a pitcher of beer at best. At best. So if you guys want to hear more of that kind of conversation, check out Tech Fan. It's part of the Stoplight Network and you can find us at www.techfanpodcast.com or on iTunes.